Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of January 2020. And it's snowing like crazy outside and getting pretty, pretty deep because after all it is winter and uh, that's normal climate in a sense. But I, I don't even go into the climate stuff anymore because what's the point of it? You've got a massive, massive worldwide well-funded agenda uh, to push through a whole new way of living. That's the whole point of it all. It's nothing to do really with climate. It's to do with a, a new controlled way of living because there's too many people to claim. And they also claim we're not dying fast enough, in some countries anyway. And they also believe with it, uh, it's time. It's literally time, according to the big, big plan, uh, to start bringing down the population quickly very quickly, rather than just uh, advising you to come come down, don't have children and so on. They want to make it mandatory, all that kind of thing. And it, right down to what you'll eat too, and how much energy you'll consume. I mentioned that but with Technocracy Inc., that was part of their agenda too, where everything that you as an individual from birth to death would uh, consume or use to heat yourself or any kind of energy was marked as energy units. And uh, you'd be allocated so much according to your status in society. Very, very, very socialistic, basically. Along the guise, to some extent, you, you've seen with the top socialists of the past, the Fabian Society founders were, were famous for, for dictating the kind of world that they wanted to bring in with, uh, as I say, everyone serving the state, the world state. It's a non-democratic system. And the whole idea we're going through now of crisis, 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 as you're well aware, I'm sure you are, is to bring you to this to the state of conditioning you to coming coming to accept that the system isn't working. Remember, that's what the Club of Rome said that um, their task was to find a way to unite the world into this new system of basically uh, technocracy, in a sense. Expert rules are ruled by experts on behalf of the masters. Of course, there's always masters, and. Uh, the scientific class would, would manage all, basically, and manage all of us, all the people. And, and so they said they hit upon the idea. They, they hit upon it. They looked at all kinds of scary scenarios to terrify the public to give up their rights. And they said, well, they had the idea that global warming and famine and drought and so on would fit the bill. And once they're on board with something, it's like weapons of mass destruction. When, when Bush and Cheney and the rest of them were all in, in Rumsfeld, uh, every every press op that they had, every little quip they gave you, is is literally that. It's uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction. They've all agreed upon it. That's all they'll tell the media until it conditions the public. They must be, it must be true. They, they can't all be lying. But it's, it's a part of a, a technique that's used in propaganda. Very, very effective, actually. Because most of the public do that. They, they, they don't question it. And they can't believe so many folk could be lying, especially so many people who are supposedly uh, above you. This idea of them being above you, you see, is what makes you smaller than them. You understand you're down there, under. <laughs> and and you, you go along with it. That's the whole technique with it. And they can't all be lying because they're so respectable. They're up there, you know. That's how simple propaganda can be. But propaganda has many functions, more than just trying to persuade uh, people to change to whatever you or whatever party you belong to or group or whatever it happens to be uh, wants you to, how they want you to believe in how, and behave. Because behavior modification is really the intention of propaganda, to get you to do something 
once you've been propagandized enough to alter the way that you live and behave and react to certain things as well, of course. There's never been a time with so much psychological uh, trauma in the planet across the world as, as today from incredible uh, propaganda indoctrination techniques that the public are generally unaware of, but it's affected them. There's so much neurosis out there and uh, despondency, apathy and fury uh, for things which are absolutely ridiculous. But it's all propaganda and funded into, into being by think tanks and foundations and multi-billionaires that, that can't explain what their real function is. And governments can't say what their function is either, but since they allow them to get away with what they do, which is incredible, <laughs> uh, which tells you you're not living, and this is the key to everything, you're not living. You're, honestly, you're not living in this system that you've been brainwashed into believing exists. You know, the infantile, naive system uh, that Bertrand Russell said they would train you into, they would tell you you're living in the best country in the world, with the best health care, for instance, etc., that kind of thing. And everybody would believe it because the government kept telling you so. You know, this is the best country in the world, you see. Very simple. And those other countries are really bad over there. Sometimes that's very true. It depends on which totalitarian system is in, in vogue at the moment as the enemy. But today, with psychological warfare and the mass manipulation of whole nations very quickly and easily, and then the, and the big, big one too is the is the accepted, incredibly indoctrinated generation that comes out of schools, authorized, obviously, since no one stops it, and to the children, they come up to be absolute, complete radicals, but they're perfect. For, for what the big boys at the top want. The, the, the world is owned. It, it really is owned. It, it really, really is. It's owned. And those at the top really believe that they own everybody in it as well. And it's an awful nuisance for, to have all these think tanks to brainwash children and all the, all the plants and, and educational authorities and so on. That's a lot of work to having, and money too. It's a waste of their money, they think. Uh, to, to, to keep forking out this cash to make sure the children are indoctrinated to be either passive or radical, and or or, or both at the same time, because you, they're, they're passive in most things, and they won't react to things that they really should react to, but they're being taught to be almost like revolutionaries when it comes to certain topics, and they'll react with utter fury and, and no no understanding or debatable concepts at all, just fury and rage. Uh, this has all been accepted because it's been allowed and it's been promoted, which means it's part of the agenda. Of course it is, because they have to come in to the new system of austerity eventually. And that's what we're living through today, the plan towards pure austerity, run by a scientific group, supposedly, on behalf of those at the very top, the ones who, who have no problems traveling across the planet in their big jets and so on, and they're never condemned about it. Uh, and it's astonishing too, it really is, really well done, when you see how easy it is, once you have radicalized the, the youngsters and teenagers and so on, and brought them up that way, with, with countless documentaries that soaked in their heads by bits and pieces and bits and bites of what they're supposed to hate and be angry about. And, and at the same time, they all have their leaders presented to them, and they never question these leaders. Uh, and the leaders often, and like today's system, must must be 
partially entertainment uh, or have that ability to be entertainers too, you see. It's better if you can get one who is an entertainer and have them uh, lead them, you see. That's why they use a lot of actors and so on in the CFR. And they use them, Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain, same group, and uh, across the world. So they have all these youngsters following them, and they say all the right things to get them agitated uh, with triggers, really, because they're, they're trained to have triggers where they see nothing but red. And uh, you're seeing what Bertrand Russell knew they would do down the road, which is now because he was part of the, of the big agencies and organizations that networked together to bring this present culture into being. And he was on the go long, long ago. He said if we, if we want to train the children that snow is black, uh, they will really believe it's black. And um, that was a, a tremendous breakthrough, they found out, of ways of, of really doing Pavlovian studies through the Soviet Union at the time. Uh, big, big things. Eleanor Roosevelt went across to, to see Pavlov, and she said in her own memoirs that was her hero, someone who conditioned not just the, the children, but that the goal was the children would grow up to be an indoctrinated, perfect, obedient society. And she, so, so she really admired Pavlov. She said, too, that they were so different, the children in, in, in the Soviet Union were so different from Americans, because... Uh, Americans, they'd, they'd be going off to school laughing and joking and, and, and chasing each other and, and just being playful and so on. But she, she was so impressed by the obedience and quietness as the children in the Soviet Union uh, quietly went to school together in a very orderly fashion. The, the totalitarians love order. They love this order thing. You see. They, and what they hate is individualism. They abhor it. And that's where it's about as well, the system we're coming into. I used to say in, in talks many years ago that I was struck by fashion and how every generation was given a fashion to accord them a difference from their, their parents, you see, what they wore. And they also gave them, during the, the, the 60s, the hippie era, which was a resurgence of what they'd done with the wonderfolk in, in in Germany in the 1920s. They tried this out, but everything everything that happened that worked had been tried out in, in experiments before, including, as I say, too, the uh, the sexual revolution in the 60s and the miniskirts. It was all done in the 1920s and 30s, the roaring 20s. They tried all that back then, but they didn't have uh, antibiotics to, 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 to tackle the, the VD problem, the venereal disease problem. And they didn't have uh, the, the, all the different abortion clinics to handle children that they didn't want uh, from all these different casual affairs, you see, that's promoted in the, uh, in the 20s. They made, they made the, the booze cans uh, sexy. That was where you went. It was in all the movies, of course, at the time, too. That's where you went for fun, and you were kind of anti-establishment, and, and, you, were, and you were different. You were breaking all the taboos of the parents and old societies. But the fallout was just too much, and so they had to drop it. And World War II came along, of course, and they had to drop it to some extent. But they went back to the drawing board very quickly and to find a way to prevent pregnancy. And then the World War II, they'd already got antibiotics. So the bang, in came the, uh, the 60s and uh, the hippies and so on. And drugs helped as well, of course, naturally. And they started to introduce the kind of drugs. Quite fascinating 
when you when you understand that, that it, it didn't happen from an occasional person's mind here that's some imagination. This is all planned. And you find many of the folk who started to take some kind of credit for bringing it in because they were part of it and they were part of the big groups that planned it all. And how to, to put it across the youngsters, of course. Uh, the old slogan at the same time as it did the communist um, push inside the US was don't trust anybody over 30. And eventually they started to bring it down to younger and younger groups. But the idea, that's, it's, it's started to fire across the, 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 the teaching associations. The older people are getting to, to push them out and replace them with younger people, mainly, mainly women, young women, because the children could still identify with them on some kind of scale as a very young parent, basically, as opposed to a teacher. And and it also had the appeal that they were closer to their own age as well, so had so they're more more likely to be able to influence the children for social change. So the children go back home and uh, start criticizing their parents or being antisocial to their parents. Until now, they got antisocial behavior disorder, and my my my, isn't it odd that the big psychological associations that use many of their their agents, I call them. <laughs> Uh, for the behavioural insights teams to change behaviour for these very purposes were the ones who then have got the authority to deal with the problems. And how they deal with them is part of the agenda because they'll get the parents, it's really your fault. Uh, and, and then the parents start saying, well, we better stop trying to correct the children or, or guide the children ourselves. We didn't realise it was our fault that the child wants to go and wring our necks. It's beautiful, isn't it? When you just stand back like an alien and watch it all. And you have to do that. You honestly have to do it. Because the worlds, I've said so many times, in reality, in reality, the systems we're living under is so alien to, 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 to the one that you're brainwashed with and what the media feeds you every day. It's so alien uh, that it, it probably would terrify a lot of people. It really honestly would. We don't live in a in a even anywhere near a half Disney type world that's portrayed. It's pretty nasty out there today, and as I say, we're noticing the complete liberal. As I said before, liberals do not believe in equality of opinions. They're always on about how they're more, you know, liberal. Liberal used to be lots of, in a sense. When in Britain, if you if you went to a, a cafe or somewhere, or even a fish and chip shop. You got your fish and chips, and you got some good sauce you put on it. You put it on liberally. I mean, you splashed the stuff on because you weren't, you know, <laughs> you were already paying for it, I suppose. But you just splash it on, and that was that was called liberal. That's what you meant by liberal back then. And of course, liberal also meant liberalism that you found out later on. But you found out too that liberalism is not for equal anything at all. It's for their way or no way. And it's the closest thing that you have to the to the old Soviet system, which is even even Khrushchev said the same thing about America. He says we don't call them communists, or they mean that they're members in America. He says we we refer to them as liberals. He said, and that's how it is. They're completely intolerant of opinion, completely intolerant. It's there we are, no way. And they've been quite plain about their agenda because it's their time for the moment to, to reign over the world. On behalf of the masters, because it suits the masters, you understand that. If you want to bring the people into a uniformity, you use liberalism. 
because they say everybody must be the same eventually, have equal opportunity, which means that you're going to fudge everything to make to make your idea of equality equal, right? Which means other folk are going to get discriminated against. Of course they are. Of course they are. But that's really the Soviet system um, on steroids, no way. Where it's enforced with ruthlessness too. And we're seeing the ruthlessness come out uh, publicly in debates and politics, especially actually in Britain and the US as well. It, it, the hostility between different radicalized um, sections of society um, who are given authority over the public. It is be, oh, it's rather frightening to watch it when you realize if any of these people actually get in, uh, in charge as a party. Uh, on behalf of the masters, uh, uh, they'll go on a tremendous spree of uh, nihilism, believe you me, against the populations. And you're getting rumblings of that already, naturally. But as I say, the, the, the big boys at the top, and girls too, want to get a move on with this new new world order. They want to get a real move on with it. In the meantime, of course, they want to on behalf of their masters, really roll the cash into with another new Cold War. It's because I said the new Cold Wars are awfully lucrative because the, the, the weapons industry is controlled by a relatively small amount of people and shareholders considering the size of it across the planet. And they really rake the cash in when governments sign on, naturally, and wink, wink, and they sign on because they're told to, basically. Um, to, to, for new, new weaponry contracts It's beautiful And we're even hearing the same nonsense The same stuff come out immediately uh, That we heard The same rhetoric during the Cold War And people, believe you me During the Cold War uh, Right through in Britain saying through the, Into the 70s and to the 80s It wasn't a, a paradise Because the money was short So much tax money was going Off to, to for the, again The weapons industry and the country has never recovered from it, really. The only reason that folk are, have got some cash is because there's magicians right now just managing the accounts. Because really, all countries are bankrupt probably hundreds, maybe thousands of times over in reality. And it's money backed by nothing anyway, the money. As long as you've got people at the top who are magicians who, who speak on behalf of uh, their private groups that run the money, then as long as they keep adding zeros to the, to, the, to the numbers, maybe they can stretch it on a bit longer. That's how it works, really. It really is like that. Uh, but anyway, we're on a, a roll now into the Cold War with the same rhetoric. Oh, the, you know, the Russians have got a better missile than we've got. So you'll, you'll hear shortly, within a month or so, there'll be some plan on the table by one of the big armaments group to make a super blah, 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 XM, blah, 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 GTX missile. That uh, will be an anti-missile missile that will catch this one coming in. And this, this is how they lived all through uh, from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. This kind of stuff, uh, with the threat of imminent uh, annihilation, of course. Just <laughs> telling the people to make sure you were terrified enough to to back up your governments, otherwise you get fed up with getting taxed like that to pay for all this stuff, which wasn't used most of it. I mean, the, the really big ones were never used. Which is beautiful, but you didn't have to prove they even worked. I mean, it was quite something. But in the weapons industry, all, all arms, including small arms, uh, are mass-produced by all the little countries, and they're sold all over the world to all kinds of rival factions on behalf of uh, the masters of the world.
who are always looking for new, you know, little nations or over, overthrowing little nations, uh, presidents or leaders anyway, to, to get their resources that they have. If they're sitting on, on diamonds or gold or whatever it happens to be or some rare earth mineral uh, for their, your cell phones, they'll want it and uh, they'll, they'll get a way to get in there. Uh, if it, even if it takes paying one group to assassinate the leader, uh, and then you, what, what you go in there to keep the peace, and then your minds are immediately operating and getting the stuff out. Wars are awfully lucrative, and there's always money behind it for big private organizations. The public are left, as I say, with the tab. You pay, you pay for the costs of it all. It's, it's a sad thing to say, but it's true. And I've never seen the world so radicalized as it is today, really. Uh, with with uh, what's been allowed, especially, it's quite fascinating to 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 say to see even the extinction rebellion groups well organized is basically with with the same communistic techniques uh, of radicalization that have been put out there by the rules for radicals and and by the different leaders and so on. Uh, of the, the, the left wing, or the authorized leaders, uh, long ago, it's the same techniques that are used. But what's astonishing is to see governments allowing it to happen, which tells me again it's meant to be this way. It is planned this way. People who are involved in revolution seldom ever, ever get a whiff of what the real goal is. They're giving something, and they're trained to believe in it. They're actually trained to believe in the goals they're given. But, and because of that training, they can't see to the... It's like having tunnel vision. They can't see to the left or the right or above and below. The movements are going on, and who's going to benefit, and who's really going to take this over at the end if we get away, and so on. Uh, they never see it. It's, uh, again, it's part of... Uh, and there's textbooks on this kind of stuff for those intelligence agencies and how to do it, you know. So we're living through this and watching it. And, and when, as I say, governments allow it, it means that it's, it's the plan. That's the big, big plan. Government, governments don't sit. Don't ever sit back in your own chair and think governments just sit there and say, my goodness, we never saw this coming. Nothing's further from the truth. Nothing. You wouldn't believe the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who work uh, to observe this kind of stuff. And to keep everything, and, and observe every section in society. I remember, uh, I've, I've met people who've been in, or attached to different agencies throughout my life, in different countries. And they always have a, a standing joke. Because there's no one, there's no one, believe you me, in, in the world of uh, spies or agencies or intelligence units. There's nobody in them. That isn't paranoid in any country because it's, it's all based on deception. That the, the, even their entry and their entry exams, that they have ways of deceiving the public. They're given little little tests that have to go out in the public and deceive members of the public about certain things and so on. Of course, the psychopathic type tends to get in more easily, you know. And then the rest of them who who have psychopathic tendencies become the other agencies, but they're paranoid because they're always getting watched themselves. And they never know themselves when they're being tested, which is a great way to watch folk and, and, and manage them, isn't it? I think you'd all be in shock as well 
if you realize how many agencies, or even agents, put it that way, are really from other countries, and a lot of them don't even have citizenship in the West, and they're working for the West, and they're working for agencies from the West, because they've been recruited and uh, just by lots of countries across Europe and the Middle East, of course. And they're given awfully good salaries, uh, but the, 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 the governments in the West prefer them to go back as much as possible and even live more and more to put more time into the countries they're from. So it keeps the, the, the governments, their eyes off them to an extent in a suspicious way. So if you get suspicious, they, they pull them out very quickly and bring them across the, 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 the world. Britain's got stacks of them. Britain even hired a lot of the ones that come, they came in as refugees to even go back and fight in other countries. It's, it's, that was on the papers quite a few years back there. And, uh, but they also hire a lot of them to be agents, you see. But then, in this world, as I say, when I think there's big, big things going on, you would never get much, do we? We don't get much sense given to us for the big things. And that's how we're run, basically. If you, if you ask a question, you'll be attacked. As I mentioned last week about the, uh, isn't just bots uh, which are unleashed upon you if you're on any kind of social media, but you'll be attacked by real people and, and real names, but maybe fake names, but real people who will target you and or they'll try and befriend you. Or, or, or in a massive group, apparently from all over the world, they'll, they'll hit you with something. And just to try and bring you down to, or to silence you or whatever. And this, these are from government agencies. And last week, again, I mentioned some of them in Britain, for instance, which is uh, awfully important to understand uh, that I think everybody who's ever looked into any questioning of anything at all, uh, probably un- unknowingly, has conversed with these agents, never knowing who they really are. Because there, there's so many of them, there's thousands of them. Britain alone, don't forget that every military department has a, a agency, cyber agencies. Every military, naval, you know, air, uh, army. It's, it's it's amazing, and 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 even then, have many divisions and and uh, layers of them, specialized in different areas. Thousands of them. The U.S. has them. Canada has them. It's people think that that, that there's I don't know why it is. I guess as I said before, the, the computer was meant to change society big time and bring in this 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 um, controllable world order where you'd have no privacy at all down the road, and they sold it to the public by calling your personal computer. If they forced you to buy it. Or even force you to take a free one, you'd be suspicious, actually. Hopefully. But uh, it was brought out, oh, you get lots of porn on a computer. Every child knew this. I can remember a librarian in the last place I was in telling me this. You know, I never had a computer at the time. I wouldn't touch one. But I went to the library all the time, and I devoured the books, and I'd, I'd send off for books, too. They're awfully good at getting them to you. And of course, even then, you found out later that they were, they were taking a note of everything you're reading. <laughs> it's just amazing. And that still goes on today in your free societies. Yeah, the librarian said, yeah, the children are coming every, every time at their lunch breaks and so on. And they're trying to stop them watching the porn on it. I guess they didn't have all the different filters in place by them. 
But the newspapers made sure everybody knew about it. That, oh my goodness, there's so much porn. And then talk show hosts on AM stations in Toronto and different places would tee he and twit and and laugh at it all. And which makes this is the same technique they used to get uh, the sexual revolution through and the drug revolution through in the 1960s. The, the same techniques they used made sure it was all fun and haha and naughty and all that kind of stuff. To make sure, but the, the, the idea you, they called it a personal computer. You know, it's personal, you know. And then you get a little firewall and things and all that kind of thing. And, and it said you 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 could be in charge of your own computer. What a big lie that was, eh? You're in charge of it. To fool and lie, to fool and lie. Do you realise what's happened since then? I don't think people really realise what's happened. And what has happened is what they wanted it to, to happen. They said that they'd bring in a society where everybody would be utterly predictable in their habits and their behavior. And that their virtual you, every, every, all of you have a virtual you. The Pentagon had, I read the articles years ago, where they add to it from the social media that you're putting up there and, and, and participating in. They take bits of what you're doing and then copy it into the virtual you. And they run scenarios on, on the virtual you to see how you behave in the virtual world, which really was pretty accurate, the more data they got about you, of how you would behave in a real situation and, and a whole variety of situations, in fact. And you think you're free? Why do you think they want all this stuff? And part of the reason is, if there is a, ever is a big, big purge on the public, they'll know exactly who to go for. They'll know exactly who can't be reconditioned or normalized, as I like to call it. Personal computer, eh? Everybody is being forced into it, whether they like it or not. And I was hearing the other day there that 97% of all the transactions daily across America, for instance, and a good part of the world, are cashless. It's all with cards. All with cards. And you realize governments know everything you're buying, what you like, what you don't like. You know? If you're buying vitamins, you may be feeling run down. They'll know all about it. All about your problems, your conditions, everything about you. There's no privacy at all. And it was designed to go that way. It was designed to go that way, folks. Absolutely. I think back to the 90s and so on. It was, it was getting, in the late 90s, there was, a, there was a lot of, if you knew how to read intelligence and put things together, the signs were everywhere. You didn't have to dig deep to find out. You wouldn't get all the answers, but it's the lack of answers that make you suspicious. That's how you. That's how intelligence agencies actually work. But the you 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 saw, for instance, in Canada, about nineteen ninety eight, maybe it was ninety seven or ninety eight, when Alan Rock and the Liberal Party, I guess, the Liberal Party, maybe at the time. Anyway, regardless of the party, he was the Minister of Justice, you know, or the Attorney General, whatever they want to call it. And he literally put it through, uh, surprisingly, no one had heard of it coming, a bill, uh, an, an omnibus crime bill, 
and you, you read through it, you know, indefinite detention without charge. It was, it, the whole thing was an anti-terrorist bill. This is before 9-11 happened, remember. And the public were kind of, what, what on earth going on here? Everything seemed so quiet and the Cold War was now over and yada, yada, yada. At the same time, I remember walking down the street uh, in this little town I was living in at the time, and I saw the police walking four abreast, dressed in black combat gear. And I thought, what on earth? And they were all laughing and smiling at people. And I thought, what is this? And the next week in the paper, it says, maybe some of you have noticed, uh, and they described these policemen dressed in this new, you know, combat gear, tucked in pants, you know, and the the military boots, a whole lot. And uh, they they said, this is a new uniform. Well, wait a minute here. That's a military uniform, folks. There's a difference in a military uniform from a, a, a local social service, which is the police. But it was happening across the whole country, and it was happening in other countries too at the same time. And that's when you knew that this is a big, big agenda here. A big agenda. And as I say, supposedly the Cold War is over, right? So you get an omnibus crime bill getting put through. You get police who are dressed up as they're going into battle for the SAS, you know? And it's all leading up towards what they knew was coming, which was definitely, as far as I'm concerned, the Middle Eastern Wars, and, and all the fallout from it, too. You don't start something, and don't ever believe they're this stupid at the top. That's a common myth that they put out themselves. All bureaucrats just didn't notice or think that, or, or planners didn't notice. You have, you have thou- and I mean it, thousands of folk in, involved in the planning of these things. Sometimes over a thousand agencies in different countries working together, planning it all. And each agency might have a, a one or two thousand people working for that particular department, planning. If we move the king this way, what will happen on the chessboard? That every possible um, thing that could come out of it, repercussion and fallout, it has to be noticed and thought out. And each fallout would lead to this, lead to that, and to lead, lead to lead to lead to a, a massive ripple effect. And they don't just suddenly do things. Because believe you me, there are masters here that, that, that are at the very top of this, this system of what you think is democracy. And uh, they want to all be taken care of properly, or heads will roll, you know. So you, you saw the signs in the 90s, and bingo, after they said they would need a Pearl Harbor event to get this, all these wars and all these countries on the list going, they get their wish. They're awfully lucky that way, you know. And... Uh, but it's never stopped to the present day. It really hasn't stopped. And the fallout with mass migration, again, there are people out there who, who, who are glorying in this, boasting about how wonderful this is to destroy the uh, parts of Europe and different cultures, even Scandinavia, for instance. It's, there's nothing hidden here. So they, they, they knew how many pluses they'd get from their actions, you see, all the, all the ripples that were planned, didn't happen by accident. And it hasn't stopped. But I keep thinking back, I remember back in Britain, for, as an example, as we, we, we think we're freer now, eh? <laughs> if you don't get a knock on the door, you think you're free. Yeah? I remember in, in Britain, uh, there was a, some kind of 
it's a BBC program or maybe a Thames television one. But anyway, it was it was what would have happened, and they really built it up big time when they wanted everybody to watch something in the BBC. Uh, what would happen if if Germany had won World War Two? And uh, and they showed you in the, in the promos for this thing uh, these big machines with Nazis uh, symbols on them, uh, half tracks and full tracks and so on, going up uh, the, the Palm Isle in London and all that, and the ominous sound behind it from music. And the, the idea was what would happen to. It. I, I never watched it because I, I couldn't watch. I hated <laughs> the trash that they put out. Honestly, it was so boring and so so full of, of indoctrination and agendas. Basically, it was astonishing. It's even worse now, actually. You think about it, that, that was meant to terrify a public against a totalitarian system. And what they did, which is what you, governments do in real life, is to keep telling you how, how free you are compared to them over there. Those guys, look, oh, look at them. And uh, they'd list all of the reasons that you should be grateful to live in the country you're in, right? But that, but that documentary used that those techniques. So here's the happy families all smiling and and uh, decent and all that. You know, they had, everything was just wonderful. And and next thing, they, then they start losing, and then the, and come these these terrible Germans who walked about with machine guns and things. Well, look at Britain or London today. What's happened? You understand that they've they've used that against their own public. <laughs> all the things that they trained you to go and fight against. And they've trained you to accept it. And it's your own governments, or are they your own governments that are doing it? If they are your governments, who are they and what do they represent? Because it certainly is not the general public. I mean, you've you, you got to stand back and think about this. You really do. And, and getting back to that uh, document, that was a good movie, actually, a TV movie, I think, put out by... Uh, Dennis Potter, who was the author of the book on it, who wrote stuff for the BBC, a lot of good information from the BBC, in fact, and he put, uh, he certainly had his, he had a lot of sexual problems, a lot of stuff, but he put a lot of good information out, especially with the one, Blade in the Feather, it was called, and another title for it was, was Deep Cover, but Blade on the Feather, I think they call it in America. About, about spies, the old Cambridge spies, you see, from the 60s, 50s and 60s, or 40s, 50s and 60s. Uh, and that's what it was based on. It was a kind, of, a kind of drama about one of the professors at university, a fictionalized event. Maybe not quite as fictionalized as that, because they did, they did have professors in those universities picking people to train them to be communists, you see, just like they have today. But um, what was interesting was one, one scene where the daughter of the professor says to, to, to her dad, don't worry, dad, our lot's in now, meaning Margaret Thatcher back then, meaning right wing sort of thing. And he said, are you sure? Our lot's in. There's a lot, a lot of clues you get in some of these things. And you can understand, too, there's inside jokes you'll get written into scripts for different people and different levels and agencies and so on. And that was, of course, one of them too. Our law said, are you sure, he says. I mentioned Peter Hitchens last week, and he, I put some links up too. Uh, he explains quite openly that he definitely, quite honestly, that he was a Trotskyist. He came out as a Trotskyist. This other brand, a later brand of communism, of course. 
he came out of, of university like that, and he was ready for action, as most of them were. And then he, he explained too, and his brother absolutely was. And uh, another interview that his brother gave Christopher Hitchens, he said that, uh, one of his early ones, he said that in an interview, he said, oh no, he says, uh, I'm, I'm not a liberal. And he says, I don't like their, was, I, I hate the liberals, he says. This is because they compromise, and so he came out as a, a real staunch totalitarian type of character. But his brother Peter, he eventually clued in that he'd been brainwashed, and talks about it and so on. But he mentions that so many of the, the folk who are now in, in the governments of Britain, it doesn't matter what party it's in, are, are really Trotskyists, even even the ones who don't know it, because you've been brought up and had the right brainwashing. Your values are completely different across the board in how you see things. It's like looking at when, when Cameron was Prime Minister of Britain, you'd almost swear that he was he was literally, he could be anything, Labour, Liberal, whatever. He was supposed to be Conservative. If you looked at Tony Blair, he, he was like a right-wing radical, but he was a far-left international socialist working for the big bankers, you know. That's who employed him once he left. It's astonishing to see this, and before we miss it all. So I was getting back to, to Dennis Potter's blade, blade on a Feather. Are you sure? <laughs> are lots of, are you sure? <laughs> and that's how it really is. Because any type of technique is now used on the public for the right time, for the right era, to get the agenda through. And it's a big, big agenda at the top. And it definitely is, I've said so many times, uh, they have to bring in a more totalitarian system of authoritarianism and train the public to obey, to save you all. That would be the excuse, of course, as it is today. Save the world, save the earth, etc. And birth to death. They, right down to, do you, will you even have children? Will you be allowed to have children? Do you, do you actually qualify to have children, etc.? That's all coming. It's all been out in the open in publications in the last few years, actually. It's all coming down the pike. But getting back to the uh, intelligence agencies, hmm? you've got to understand uh, that uh, so many people, especially that have been uh, asking questions at all, even naively, you've been, you've, you've been contacted by them, or Joe from so-and-so, whatever it happens to be, uh, you've definitely been contacted. Is this us out? There's, there's no doubt on that at all. Especially if you're going into areas that that you might get some truths from. So they want to know who's waking up and who isn't and so on. And, and know all about you. And then they'll feed you often with a lot of irrelevant stuff. So you chase your tail forever and ever and ever in loops and loops and loops. And they used to call it, I gave it talks in the 90s on this. Because at that time it was all in the newspapers. And I'd say, yeah, you'll, you'll be excited to get in a bit from here and a and getting a, a cutting from one paper and put it with a cutting of another and little bits come together. You're chasing the paper trail. And so many of these paper trails are put out there for you to chase. Nothing's really changed, eh? I'll put up this article on the briefing note, it's called, on the Integrity Initiative. About an agency, a massive agency in Britain, actually, it is now, anyway. It started small, this particular small unit. But it's integrated with all kinds of agencies and, and layers of agencies above them and below them and to the size of them because the, that's how it works in, in real intelligence. 
But this is all to do with cyber warfare and, and propaganda and changing attitudes and attacking folk who are on the right track at times. Uh, or misleading them, or, or try to befriend them and then take you off on a tangent. That's quite standard technique. But it says, working group on Syria, propaganda, and media. And uh, at the time, I can remember, there, there was stacks and stacks of uh, articles of the West funding. And, and the same newspapers you read today that, that don't even mention it. But at the time, they had articles on who was funding the terrorists that were, that were attacking Syria and all the rest of it, uh, and the mercenaries, the mercenary armies, and trained and, <laughs> trained and funded by the West, of course. So they had all these agencies to, to go after people who were noticing and mentioning it, or, or could get a following, and, and really attacking them. But what an amazing uh, propaganda media is, and this is the working uh, brief, briefing notes, and it's it's amazing. Just just the titles of what's in, in, inside of it. It's got you got to watch it and the different promotion of hate campaigns against Russian Orthodox Church in the Balkans. <laughs> These are wonderful countries, eh? Doing nasty things like that. They even promote certain forms of neo-Nazism and then promote it. Look at these Nazis, you see. But they they, they were creating it all. It's really something else. And ISG, corporate LLP, and so on, corporate limited, comes from foreign relations, and so on. That did have some members, but they also used their name as a front for, for themselves as a charity group, this intelligence agency. And the guy who came out with it, I think, was a bit frightened, because he, he is also part of the psychological warfare himself. I think that's him giving himself another cover, I suppose. But it says it now accounts for most of the budget of a Scottish... It's initially a Scottish-registered charity. They use Scotland for a lot of these registrations, by the way, now. You know, poor Scotland. And for the Institute of Statecraft, or for Statecraft, founded by Daniel uh, Lafayette and Chris Donnelly in 2006. It's interesting to see how it works. Pretty standard stuff, really, except uh, they would do a massive manipulation of the public sphere on, on cyberspace, right? And cybers, including campaigns to smear and suppress dissenters and block their appointments. This is like people who, who are going into to, uh, government. So they'd block their appointments to public office. This is democracy. Overt attacks on British politicians, academics, and other critics of UK government policies, most notably on the leader of the opposition and his staff. Well, you saw what happened to uh, Corbyn recently, eh? <laughs> In the Baltic state in Ukraine, working closely with organisations and governments that foment hatred of ethnic Russian minorities. Isn't that something, eh? Isn't that something? This is what your tax money is going towards. Eh? You wouldn't believe how dirty intelligence agencies are, how dirty they are, and, how, and the kind of psychopaths that they employ. And the folk who are decent and cute catch on and their conscience starts to get to them, of course, they don't last too long. So what you're left with is really a hardcore bunch of psychopaths that laugh and, and actually exchange how they destroyed people or organizations uh, and they just laugh it off. Yeah. But it's a good article, release of documents relating to the Integrity Initiative. There was three different uh, tranches of, of documents released, and uh, blew it to the public from possibly an insider, I think. And uh, it goes through some of the funding that it got initially. It's much bigger now. 
It says it had unrestricted funds described as designated funds for various UK security, National Health Service, that's fairly typical, you know where the money is really gone, uh, Royal Navy, NATO, Ukrainian, Russian research programs. And um, I can remember too, as I say, with, with Peter Wright, who was, was a... Uh, one of the last old-timers in intelligence services when, it, when there was real, real Cold War going on. And he was going after characters inside Britain. He had a blind spot on himself, mind you, but he definitely tried to, <laughs> to rid the, the country and weed them out, uh, all the communists that were inside government itself. And But the, the, really, it was so top-heavy with, with uh, bureaucrats as well and civil servants that were communists, just like Canada was, in fact, after World War Two. Probably before it too, by the way, but definitely afterwards. And Peter Wright really hounded them. He gave a different show to the public before he left, actually, with his book, Spycatcher, to try and wake the public up to the, the dirty tricks that were going on. It was quite something. And it's actually worse now with, with countless agencies, with thousands and thousands of operatives, some part-time some who do it on a part-time basis, other ones do it full-time, and all branches of the military, and all what, and on lots of branches you've never heard of, just like the U.S. Look at the size of the complexes that they've made inside the U.S. for capturing all all data. You know, uh, the NSA is huge, but it's only one of them. Britain's got its own own uh, systems too. Peter Wright mentioned that they actually appropriated some of the money for the intelligence service back in his day uh, with false fronts. One was for an organization, a pretended charity, a fake one, for lesbians, you know. And they got the government to funnel money through this, to this fake charity, like a front uh, for intelligence operations. Fairly standard stuff. But you wouldn't believe how much of the stuff now is used on people, your own populations. Remember, propaganda is meant to change your own population initially and to control them and even get them to, to, to demand uh, certain policies. What do you think that the, the, the Extinction Rebellion and all that is? You think they're all just really spontaneous things that have happened? No, no, they're all brainwashed children brought up for most of their schoolwork and to save the earth in all kinds of ways and everything's nasty and capitalism's nasty. And they'll, they'll, be the, they'll be really the new Bolshevik boys and girls that'll do the terrible dirty deeds to get rid of the older folk who object to going into an authoritarian system of austerity uh, run by, uh, on behalf of the, the big boys at the top who want to run the whole planet, who are running the whole planet now, I would say, yeah. Dirty things are happening and dirty things are coming down the pike, folks. This is a good article. You should, uh, you should read it all. And I'll, I'll see if I can get the link to put it up for you. But they use Twitter, naturally. They use Twitter and they use uh, all social media. In fact, as I said before, other talks of Twitter and Facebook are definitely completely incorporated into the world intelligence system. Of course they are. And even though 90-odd percent of what they do will not be what you think of as intelligence, well, you're, you're using it, you're not into Well, it doesn't matter. They're gathering all your data, like you wouldn't believe. They've got everybody sussed out. But also, they can change behavior by getting everybody to go into adopting uh, opinions, persuasive techniques. A lot of persuasion doesn't go by logic, and like two and two is four. It's a feeling that's created through different ways of putting things across. It's a feeling, and that's what they do. 
study propaganda and you'll, you'll, you'll understand it, how it works. It's a science, you see. And this article too, a Twitter executive mentioned it last week too, with editorial responsibility for the Middle East and North Africa, right, an executive. Well, this is one of them. In Britain is also a reserve officer of the British Army's Psychological Warfare and Propaganda Unit, a new report has revealed. So this all came out into the, into the, the mainstream media. Gordon Macmillan, who joined Twitter in 2013, is still listed in the company's head of editorial for the EMEA, also serves with the 77th Brigade, that's one organization, an outfit formed in 2015 to conduct information warfare and develop non-lethal ways of conducting war. Now, when they're using it on the public, you realize they're at war with you too, huh? You think you come to your conclusions because you're, you're, you're logical and you're, you're a decent, humane person, you know. You really think that's true? You'd be surprised how much of, of your opinions and so on have been gradually fed to you by bits and bytes of information. Using emotive techniques very carefully devised. Not, there's nothing happenstance about it. And th- th- these operations are working within your own countries. So the report was published in Brit- Britain's Middle East Eye, revealed how Macmillan served with the unit for several years. Twitter's downplayed Macmillan's links to the army and said it supports his staff and their external volunteer commitments. It's an open, neutral, independent service, it says. A spokesman for Twitter says to Newsweek, we don't allow our data services to be used for surveillance purposes or in any other manner <laughs> inconsistent <laughs> with people's expectation of privacy. <laughs> Employees who pursue external volunteer opportunities are encouraged to do so in line with company policy. Yeah. The spokesperson added, we proactively publish all tweets and accounts relating to state-backed foreign information operations on the service. Regardless of the source, we built this industry leading archive to promote better public understanding of these threats. So these threats are your government's <laughs> psychological operation units working on you. Right? Uh, so the British Army also distances itself from Twitter in a statement. So they have to do this. They always back all. Oh, there's no relationship or agreement between the 7th, 7th Brigade and Twitter. Other than using Twitter as one of the many social media platforms for engagement and communication. So these intelligence, information, propaganda outfits, and, and uh, really, they're, they're really there to neutralize opposition of different organizations and so on, or even individuals who are really just seeking some truth here and there, you know. And you hit on certain topics, boom, you, you, they're in there right away. Mind you, a lot of them are set up by them too, the, the sites that you go into. Says the army does not comment on the specific activities of reservists working within the division. I'm sure of it. Yeah, but yeah, they've got they've got military and they've got those in academia, you know, and researchers, etc., all working together. And some are part time, some are full time. And this came out initially in, in Newsweek and so on. And you'll never get much information from them. I would say I know a good amount about my about army propaganda and psyops operations, as I call these guys. But what's interesting is how little information we have about the 77th Brigade. I suppose it means that all their work is covert. But what I would like to know is what exactly are they doing? Are they just tracking accounts or are they trying to influence people's views? Of course, I mean, that's one of the biggest things in propaganda. Most propaganda, remember, is meant 
for your own population. The enemy is a secondary thing. They're, they're more wise to the fact as propaganda that your, your own population generally is not wise to what they're getting fed. Oh, it's quite something, right? But uh, yeah, they go, they go through this article. It's quite good anyway. It's quite good indeed, I tell you. Another thing to look into is Council on Foreign Relations, President Richard Haas, talks about uh, USMCA, which is the new name for NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement. It says, he says is US, the USMCA is NAFTA plus the TPP plus a few tweaks. And uh, yeah, well, if you've looked into what he says, you'll find his, his, art, his, his talks actually up on YouTube, I think, being at transcripts here and there with them too. Uh, and not, the agenda has not been, you know, subverted by Donald Trump. I don't know who puts all this stuff out because he signs everything that they pretty well want into, into agreement, you know. It's quite something. And again, too, I gave talks in the 90s of how they give you, and uh, if you start up a, a, a real organization yourself with pure, purely good intentions and you're on the ball with things, uh, they'll put somebody out very quickly who is well-funded, who will overtake you using all your stuff and then taking you, taking all the followers with them. And, and before you know it, they've done 180 degrees. Don't, the followers never noticed that. that. That's what Orwell had in Animal Farm. You know, but all chanting, four legs good, two legs bad. They, can, they could turn you around and you'd, you'd chant the opposite, in fact, without noticing. That's, that's, what, that's what they do, you see. If you're a follower, you're subverted very quickly without even knowing it, and you're used. But uh, that's another story, of course. But I'll put these articles up too. And another one too was a China spy suspect. Uh, the European Union, European Union is full of people who literally almost advertise <laughs> that they're for hire in a sense. I love these characters. There's so much money in the European Union. is so corrupt because it was set up to be a super communist uh, system. As many of the old Soviet distants who saw it uh, said, it says, this, is, this, is, this is more advanced than the Soviet system, this EU uh, uh, system, with, with incredible tax money from all the countries. Remember, and the, the money goes missing all the time, billions. Eh? What a corrupt world we live in, though, really. Eh? What a devious, devious world. It can only work. You know how perfect it is for, for the criminals at the top, though, the real criminals, you know, the ones in suits and ties, who've got titles and... And they're honourable this and honourable that and all that kind of thing, eh? Think about it. Who could only operate and get so wealthy too with a society which, which they've made sure the educational system and the culture industry has trained you to be so naive. You know, I tell you, it's quite something. So the rules literally have a field day just filling their pockets like you wouldn't believe in doing what they want, uh, and the sheep just keep paying. That's it. Anyway, I'll put this article up on the that this this um, guy at the EU. He's an ambassador, right? He was suspected by German prosecutors of spying for China for thirty years. The former EU ambassador suspected by German prosecutors of spying for China. His name was Gerhard uh, Sabatil. A dual German Hungarian national, hmm, Hungarian, and he's served for, for a whole bunch of different countries as EU envoy: South Korea, Germany, Iceland, Norway, 
and uh, mid-sized blobbing firms and so on, Brussels, Berlin, Munich. And he was still listed as a managing director on his website uh, on Friday. Quite something, that's the world we live in, folks. It's nothing like you're trained to believe it is. And as even on this, in the cyber world, you'd have to be awfully naive today to think, to really think, uh, <laughs> with, with the countless agencies and tiers of thousands of employees all working to chatter away on, on the on, in the cyberspace and attack different people and and uh, and they do it very efficiently too. They're, they're trained. They're trained by neuroscientists and psychologists and behaviorists. These characters. Uh, and you all, to go after certain types, because eh? you're all everybody's been put into a box with, with your personality type, with your weak spots, and they'll befriend the people on in cyberspace on one of the social platforms, and play with them for a while, and be awfully friendly with them for a while, and get a confidence for a while, and and be their best pals, and then they'll attack them or subvert them or do something and, and blow them away. I'm telling you, that's how it works. This is real war in the cyber world. Truth is the hardest commodity on this planet. It's so rare. It's rarer than diamonds or rare earth minerals. It really is. In a society today that literally is a poison culture because you've lost your culture and our ability to look at right and wrong. This is not the old Cold War when folk knew in the West, a lot of the folk knew what, what they were against. And even then, a lot of the folk who were ruling over them were communists in the West. And getting, you, and getting, and it was getting taught openly in univer- the top universities in Britain huh? through the Cold War. It tells you it's a bigger game above it all, isn't there? A much bigger game. Ruled by the real masters of the world, obviously. The dialectic, indeed. And everybody eventually gets used. Anyway, I could go on forever, but we're out of time here. For myself, Alan Watt, from a very, very snowy Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.